You're listening to The Sister Trill with Danai and Kiveli. Hello and welcome back to The Sister Trill. I'm Danai. And I'm Kiveli. And today we will be talking about our idols. This episode is all about people that inspired us throughout our life. But before we get further into it, we will first talk about what we disagreed on this week. So, Kiveli, what do we disagree on? So, actually, um, my disagreement is about this episode. Basically, <laughs> when we were talking about how to structure like this idols episode, um, I realized that there are lots of people that I feel have influenced me, that I've looked up to, that I admire. Um, so, I was like trying more of an approach of like you know the people that come to mind, and you were more of like a top five. You want like the top five. So um, yeah, we'll see what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we disagreed on the amount of of people to include in the yeah, episode. like you know yeah. what approach. Yeah. To have. Um, and we also disagreed on another major topic, which is um, <laughs> which food we're going to serve our guests at the party tomorrow. Because I was more on the side of like a pasta bowl, and Kiveli was more on the side of like a pita or pizza or flammkuchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, some deep. Deep stuff. This is like basically, basically we didn't disagree on a lot. Let's just say, <laughs> basically it was very difficult. I think I found increasingly with this segment, like what did we disagree on? Very difficult to find things that we disagree that on we actually disagree on. Worth mentioning. Yeah, I mean sometimes there sometimes are some there is real something things, like yeah. small. Sometimes, sometimes there are some funny things like yeah. when you mentioned the geographical position or the yeah, lying yeah, 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 in yeah, bed yeah. or sitting yeah, at yeah, a table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's just stuff like today. Yeah. But it's good. I mean, we can see where our relationship is at, you know, depending yeah. on how much we disagree. So I think the most, the most important thing I've taken from, like, I don't know, six weeks of the segment is I need to cook for you more. You need to cook for me? Exactly. And otherwise, we're, we all have our own, like, quirky things. I want yeah. to sit at a desk. You want to be yeah. at the, on yeah, yeah, the, yeah. In the bed. And all right. You want to work downstairs, I want to work upstairs. Loving it, loving it. Loving okay, it, loving so... Um, Alrighty, let's so let's get, get to the idols. idols. So we basically each made a list of our idols. I made a list of top five, as we agreed. I had to reduce just the list saying. majorly, so I'm going to be sneaking in a name here and there wherever Got I it. can. Got it, because Kiveli is just an inspired person. I also am. inspiring, but also inspired. I would say that actually that is something that we generally disagree on, or when we talk about idols, the thing, I'm someone, I am much more easily not I would say necessarily influence because I am also very you know critical with whether I like someone like you know someone famous yeah. someone like but that when I really find I found someone who inspires me I would say I'm a very enthusiastic mm. advocator for this person yeah I would like, completely agree and, and and because usually if I if it really gets to the point where I feel like this person has influenced my worldview like you know I It is because, like, he has changed my perspective or she has changed my perspective or in some fundamental way. Mm. So, therefore, you know, I'm a very vocal and enthusiastic supporter of that person yeah. then. No, and I mean, it's great. You're like a, a mission. Can we say missionary? Yeah, right. You're like a missionary for the people that inspire you. In a right. Way. And I'm not quite that extreme. There are two people that, I mean... You know which two people, because we just talked about them upstairs, that inspired me that I've maybe like talked about more to other people, but mm -hmm. generally I'm more, I take the things that inspire me and just take them in them. for myself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's get into the list. Okay, so, you go first. I go first. Okay. So number one um, is Marie Curie. And um, I'm not at all connected to this whole scientific world or anything like that. So it's not really at all 
her life's purpose that inspired me. It was, um, it all started with the fact that I had a book at home or someone I think had given it as a present mm -hmm. to me. And it was called Not Just Madame Curie. And it was about all the women that have won Nobel Prizes. And she was, of course, as the first woman who won the Nobel Prize, um, the first chapter. And that chapter was describing her and um, it was saying how she was someone who was trying to soak up knowledge where, mm -hmm. where and whenever she could. And they were, um, if I remember correctly, they were writing from her perspective. So as if mm -hmm. she was writing mm -hmm. it, like mm -hmm. as if we were in her brain. And she was saying um, every minute passed without reading something or listening to something is a minute that was wasted. Mm -hmm. And she said that she would be eating, I mean, she said, whatever, this is how it was written, that um, she would be eating at, at lunch and reading at the same time or writing down stuff. And she said the biggest waste of time is sleeping And, uh, you know, she was just a, someone who was probably a huge workaholic, yeah. so yeah, to speak, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. super passionate and enthusiastic about learning and becoming yeah. more knowledgeable about yeah, stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. about the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, as a young girl reading that, that was very inspiring and also kind of something that I took to heart. Sleeping is a waste of time. Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> sleeping is a waste of time kind of stuck to me as a, you know, because in our sleep, we don't acquire knowledge. That was her way of putting it. Well, so this is a waste yeah, of time. Yeah, no, no, I understand. So, um, I mean, obviously, you know, this is not... In our sleep, we stabilize, we everything. Obviously, obviously yeah, I mean, yeah, no, 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 I'm yeah, not yeah. even uh, talking about that. But like no, that but perspective, that level, That perspective yeah. was so inspiring to me. And to the point that I started doing things like on my iPod, um, listening to the piece, the piano piece that I'm practicing, putting it, putting the hair, uh, the earplugs. earplugs in when I'm earplugs. sleeping yeah. so that I can... Uh, listen to it while I'm sleeping right, so the time right, is right. not wasted to the point that for example when um, because I also did ballet pretty intensively when I was taking out the homework out of my school bag I would sit <laughs> in the splits position in order to not waste time but to right, keep stretching right, and right. I really took it to heart so much that I tried to be as effective as possible and I would say that today I am probably also still a very effective and efficient yeah, yeah, person yeah, yeah. and I try to make the best out yeah. of everything yeah, I'm not yeah, such yeah. a good you know chiller yeah. or like relaxer mm -hmm. um and this is something that really came from right. that so nice. this is my first nice, person nice, nice. yeah definitely I mean a very inspiring person for <laughs> sure for sure and also for, I'm sure for the scientific community even you know also of course just, much more but this is not really we, something you know, that I can talk exactly, about so much because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about it so much I would say the first person I would say is also kind of one of like the first idols that I had in a way which is um Waris Deary probably not a particularly like not one of the more famous people we're going to mention in this episode I imagine um I read a book I, I remember I got as a gift like a book when I was about it was like 10 years old or 11 years old and it was called Desert Flower at that point I was still reading in German so it was Wüstenblume mm -hmm. and um and it, it was kind of like her autobiography but like her first book she's since written more books like about her life and it was it's the story of um a girl Hirsch who grew up in Somalia as part of like a nomadic tribe and on the night that her father introduced her to the man she was supposed to marry who was significantly older than her and someone she just you know couldn't imagine <laughs> engaging with she actually decided to run away 
and like first of all ran on foot which was like super dangerous um across the desert i think like to a to the house of her aunt or something like that where she had like um family somewhere and then like eventually kind of flee more or less to uh, the United States where she was then um, discovered as a model and she had kind of a successful modeling career but especially what uh, she's then was known for was that when she was uh, young you know still as part of her tribe she underwent a procedure that still exists is quite common around the world that is horrific but you know unfortunately quite normal in some traditions which is um Genital female mutilation. female genital yeah. mutilation basically you know female circumcision and uh, a procedure that she obviously suffered tremendously from in the future uh, like in, in the course of her life and she became a very very um vocal advocator against this procedure and kind of um spreading the knowledge how you know how um common it still is even in you know well-developed countries that you know they're just cultures that uphold this tradition and um the, the book is not mainly about it, that the book like that first book is more about kind of her uh, journey from you know one culture which is the nomadic culture to like uh, the culture of uh, I would say the model world of the United States like an extremely uh, big shift in her like you know of, of cultures in her life and how she kind of like the hardships she went through but it ex again, obviously, like, mentions quite firmly that part of her life mm. as well. And I remember when I finished reading that book, I was, like, so taken by her story. I was very young still. But uh, my what I, wa what I wanted to do is organize a benefit concert and raise money to kind of uh, give to a charity that would work mm -hmm. against female gentle mm. mutilation. I remember I even, like, wrote her an email. I, I don't think, I mean, I know she, she didn't reply. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is, you know, she's not, like... Mary Curie famous no, but, but she, she is, was a you know, successful model no, no, they're very right? successful yeah, yeah. especially like they, I think she also spoke um, in front of the UN for you know the, the human rights yeah, yeah. of you know females not being genitally mutilated yeah. so I think she was one of my first like idols also like her life story really inspired mm -hmm. me and also I would say the first um, I would say human rights cause I ever felt connected to. Mm -hmm. I mean, since, you know, I, I there were many other things that I kind of, you know, felt, you know, I, I had this very, like, uh, generous kind of wanting to save the world type of uh, perspective, especially when I was younger. And that was the first cause that kind of got to me. And I was like, wow, I wish yeah. I could, I wish I could help somehow. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. So, yeah. Yeah, okay, so my next idol is... Um, probably the most obvious one of the five that I have written down. Um, and it is a musical one. It's mm -hmm. a pianist and it's Mata Agerich. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, for all the musicians out there, you obviously know her. And for anyone um, who's not a musician, she's probably the most um, famous and successful female pianist, right? Yeah. That's fair to mm -hmm. say, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, and her whole life story had already fascinated me at an early age. I mean, her, her playing anyway, I remember having um, CDs, especially with works by Schumann that I was also playing at the time that I really loved. So her playing, I found really amazing, but her life story is really what mm -hmm. I found so interesting. And, um, you know, she had these CD covers where she she kind of gave me this impression of being like the bad girl of classical music. Okay. You know, these CD covers where I think it's with... 
uh, Abado, if I'm not mistaken, no, oh my God, am I saying this correct? Or with Dutois, with Dutois, I think. She's on the cover and they're both like holding a cigarette. Aha, uh-huh, yeah, I know each the other cover. With a yeah, smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, things like that. I just always have this feeling like she's so cool. You know, she has this uh-huh, cool uh-huh. air about her. And also, you know, since I read a lot about her biography and and mm. everything, you know, there, this new book that came out, I think, five or six years ago about her, um, she really didn't care, you know, what people expected from her or wanted from her. She just did her own thing. Yeah. For example, when she did her first CD with Deutsche Grammophon, which is a huge label, yeah. she said, listen, I'm just going to play through it. You know, no takes, nothing. And she played yeah. through it and the engineer was like, can you maybe like to just do a safety take? Okay, safety take, done. She's like, this is how I'm playing it. I'm not going to start recording like a crazy yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, things like that. Just so secure, so confident. Yeah. Or she went to, I think it was Chopin competition or another competition without having practiced for two years without having touched the piano for two years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she was just like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to play. You know, she never tried to be a superstar. She never tried to be famous. She's just this incredible genius, incredible talent. Mm -hmm. Obviously, she practices a lot, like technically until today, because she's still alive. Um, She practices and she's famous for, you know, from presenters always tell me these stories or other musicians that have played with her. She practices everything slowly. She practices the technical things. She's really fit. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like she's, she has this uh, God-given technique. She practices, but at the same time, she's extremely talented and and gifted. And yeah, yeah, I just, I just find her whole story cool. She has, I mean, not that this is admirable but she has three kids from three different men um you know just shows how little she cares about society she just does her thing and just enjoys life and I think she has really lived a full life and I think in classical music you could also say that she really has like a superstar status she's one of the few people that I've lived in a concert that before she plays she gets standing ovation or she gets bravos before she's even started to play yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. No, totally get it. Totally. I agree. I agree. Definitely a very inspiring person. So the next one I would say would be um, Angela Merkel. And not necessarily because like, I love all of her policies or anything like that. It's not even about the policies, mm-hmm. whether I support them or not. It's just this, first of all, like the life story from someone who grew up in the GDR um, to then become, you know, such an advocator for human rights and for openness and, Mm. you know, letting in foreign people and progressive thinking, kind of. I find that incredible. Uh, Just like, you know, how really, you know, she went all the steps she had to to finally become the chancellor against, you know, against many odds, you know, and like to be like the first female chancellor of Germany. And, um, but probably the most incredible thing, I just find the, the stability that she provided for Germany really through thick and thin. I mean, she's now been the chancellor for 15 years or something, right? Or 16 50, like for yeah. a very long time. Mm. I mean, she went through the financial crisis, yeah. refugee crisis, corona crisis. And it, it doesn't even matter, you know, where you fall on, on her policies. But like her, she has never had a slip up. She's always prepared. She's always calm and collected. She's always, you know, very careful with her speech, but not at all, you know, harmless. Or she's it's not like she's careful and therefore saying 
run-of-the-mill, middle-way generic yeah. thing. Mm. She always has a very clear opinion. Mm. She has very clear principles that she never budges from. You cannot, you know, like kind of uh, talk her into an emotion or aggressive or kind of response. And I mean, I find it remarkable in a field as I would say unfair and sensitive as politics to to basically not have a you know a single scandal in terms of her personality you know like it's just it's just incredible it's just she's untouchable in a way because of the way she's conducted herself and um and I mean I'd say in terms of like a person uh like temperament she couldn't be more different than me you know but I I, I found it remarkable ever since I you know uh knew she existed and I think mm-hmm. I you know I kind of grew up with her as the chancellor you know remember yeah. Schroeder yeah, yeah, sure. before yeah. but she was kind of you know yeah. the person no I, I totally with. agree and, and I also think about this more and more now because you know there are elections coming up for us in the autumn in Germany and she has said she's not going to um, stand for re-election which is it's, I feel like I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, in it's totally the end of I an mean, era. It's the end of an yeah. era. And I think that she, again, no matter what you think about her policies, she's going to go down in history as one For of sure. the most influential yeah. figures, you know, in this yeah. pivotal time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I think, you know, she's earned her position yeah. from all the perspectives. Mm. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Very, very inspiring idol. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so since you just named a political one, maybe I'm going to go into a similar direction. Mm-hmm. So um, the next idol that I put is Mahatma Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And um, this is one that I kind of got into, I think, during my school time, mm-hmm. because of course we were talking about him, as everyone probably. And I remember that I watched this movie about him. Mm-hmm. Where it was, we watched uh, it together. Right? Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, we watched yeah. it together, yeah. Who was the actor? I, for- I forgot. I forgot as well. I forgot as well, but well, but I know, yeah, I know. The movie. It yeah, starts yeah. with his burial, right? Exactly. Like the movie starts yeah, yeah, with his burial yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it said like he held no political office. He held nothing. But exactly. Here we are at his burial, and like you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, exactly. He was no politician, but at the same time, he, you know, did such political things or politically significant, let's say, things. Mm-hmm. And what I just find so incredible is this concept of you know non-violent yeah. non-violent resistance because it's so easy for people to just meet a fist with a fist and so easy to just say okay you did something to me I'm gonna do something to you this is kind of how our life works this is how our world works and it doesn't have anything to do with being stupid or intelligent but this is just human nature mm-hmm. and I feel like he somehow tapped into something inside of us yeah. that is not innately human yeah. nature it's like kind of our better nature exactly yeah. it's it's like the higher self something yeah. i don't know if it's something spiritual or what it is but it's something incredibly valuable and special yes. and he lived it with his entire being and you know inspired so many people yeah. to go there with him and as i'm talking about this i'm getting goosebumps because yeah. i really believe that this is you know yeah. something so special and if there were more people like him yeah the world yeah. will, would be yeah. such a different yeah. place. And sometimes yeah. I try to, you know, in situations where I feel treated unfairly, I try to sometimes mm-hmm. find my inner Gandhi, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm just like, you know, it is unfair, but no need to fire yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Just try a different approach. Yeah. Actually, yeah. my next idol is like absolute on par with that, which is Nelson Mandela. And I remember when um, Mandela died, I was already studying and I went out and like, uh, and, I, and I bought his autobiography. And it's like this long, like 
this kind of big book. I remember I like dived into it. And I mean, with him, what I just find even more kind of extreme is that he went to jail for so many years. Mm. And when mm-hmm. he came out, he, you know, kind of picked up right where he left off in in, in a way. And um, I have to say, like, it, it's for the same reason that you yeah, this whole nonviolence approach, everything, man, it, it's exactly the same. And I, I just, you know, the, the, the people that are willing to go into to jail for what they believe in. Yeah. I find that incredible. Because admirable, I mean, yeah. and because it's very easy in hindsight, you know, when they become national heroes and you talk about them like, wow, you know, this is the the, the most important person Absolutely. of that kind of, it's very easy to be like, yeah, of course you should go, you know, you should fight for what you believe in. But I mean, try first to be the person that takes into account going to jail for years and years and years um, because you didn't, you know, compromise on your beliefs, yeah. on the right beliefs, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, I mean, and there are, there are obviously many people throughout history that have, that have done that, you know, and like clung on, clinged on to their uh, beliefs. Mm. But um, I always find that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, kind of the ultimate, you know, human sacrifice. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, also, what a change he yeah. created. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah, a yeah. huge result. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my next idol is, again, one connected to music, but not classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's French chanson singer Edith Piaf. And this one, I think we were introduced to at the same time, yeah. because I feel like we watched La, uh, La Vie en Rose yeah. at the same time. Maybe also for me... I feel like I had a bit of a connection or before because our father used to always sing Non, je ne regrette rien yeah, to me before I went to sleep. So this song specifically for me was somehow, you know, in my head ever since I can remember. Like yeah. when I was two or three years old, he would sing this. Yeah. So um, her music was something I grew up with. Absolutely. Also in the car, we would listen yeah. to her and, and um, our parents had CDs of her and, and I just love it to this day. I love it. Um, but then, you know, getting introduced to her life story, I found so fascinating. A story that is um, shaped by the highest highs and the lowest lows. Um, you know, she came from nothing, being discovered, propelled to stardom and, and also wealth and fame losing everything, losing a child, losing your husband, all these things. The song she wrote after Yes, I mean, her music speaks about it like uh, nothing else. And um, I find that she's a very unapologetic person. She's Mm -hmm. very unapologetically herself, like in the best sense, unapologetic. Um, She just sings it in her songs as it is. I mean, she obviously also had a very drug-fueled life, but that also shows how unapologetic she was, you know? She just lived it. I feel like she is the person that reminds me to live in the now, to live in the moment, Mm. you know? She just lived every moment in a way as if it was her last. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the few years or months, I don't know, years maybe that she had with her husband, she lived those yeah, years yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was worth it. And yeah. and this I find really fascinating and really mm-hmm. impressive mm-hmm. and something to always remember, you know, you never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It could be the craziest thing ever and be so happy with yeah. what you have right now and just yeah. live it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that, as I mentioned, I had to reduce my list. She was also <laughs> on my list. But I took her out because I knew you would mention yeah. her. So I kind of felt that she would be re- uh, represented. No, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I also what I also find so inspiring about her is her 
performance style, mm -hmm. which is literally her in the same black dress in every performance, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. just sitting in front of a microphone and singing. Like there yeah. is no frills no around show. it, no show, yeah. no like outfit change. It's just her and her voice. Yeah. And the aura is absolutely powerful and magnetic and it's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, that shows, you know, that... The, you know, if you have this larger-than-life energy inside of you, you don't need a sideshow yeah. to pull all the focus and, you know, to be as efficient in your message. Yeah. I mean, her stage presence was just incredible. incredible. Even incredible. if you watch videos of the older yes. have that was kind of like this, let's say, you know, broken, very yeah. frail yeah. human being, she, like, kind of, you know, triples onto yeah. stage. Yeah. But yeah, then yeah, yeah. when she starts singing, it's like, okay, whoa, someone, someone yeah, is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she also had that voice that was just like extremely piercing mm. and direct, you know? Yes, absolutely. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So um, to also go into the musician direction and um, someone who's, I find, one of the most incredible performers and artists of the recent century, um, Freddie Mercury. I, I remember the first time I saw him just perform, obviously never live, unfortunately, but uh, on a video. I mean, it's just, it, it is larger than life. I mean, it is larger than life. And what struck me is just like the definition of authentic and authentic in the moment, you know, like mm. the, uh, the amount, like you can see literally he's not, he's like, he's that kind of his real self is just flowing through him and it's his real stage self. And also the mu I, I love the music by Queen because mm. for me, this is, I would say um, the perfect representation of music that you listen to, to connect to a part of yourself that is kind of the most hopeful, the most optimistic and kind of like the most like anything is possible, you know, version of yourself. Yeah. And like there is this one line in, 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 the, in the movie about him, Bohemian Rhapsody, where he says, you know, we do it, what do we want to give him? We want to give him a touch of the heavens. Mm -hmm. And I could identify so well with that perspective. And I also find, you know, um, with classical music, classical music is, of course, much, much more ambivalent in its emotional Uh, depiction of the psychological state in a way maybe also much more real of it in its depiction of the emotional state you know the emotions are never just one thing many times it's really you know like the true ambivalence of sorrow with dignity versus sorrow with desperation mm -hmm. you know and this is like one phrase with desperation one phrase with, dig with dignity and it's a very small subtle change but no matter what we do, what we communicate is, you know, we want to find, you know, a touch of something that mm. you otherwise don't have access to. Yeah. And I found that Freddie Mercury kind of absolutely just embodied that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can watch same performances of his again and again and again, yeah. and it never gets less inspiring or less moving. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And also, wasn't he kind of... Uh, like a pioneering person in like, you know, normalizing being gay and things like that or not really? I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I, I, I'm not 100% informed of that. I feel that what I read was actually kind of that he never publicly oh, he admitted was to it. Oh, okay, okay. And then it became public uh, knowledge only after he died. Oh, okay. But okay. I, I, I'm not 100% sure about it. I don't want to like, you okay. know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, declare that. But I feel like it was almost sort of... Okay. It, 
in in a, in a way like he, it's not like he didn't live his life but he never like you know he never became like was also a mouthpiece married, right? for like officially or living with a woman like living there was some man. cover living, up living, living with a man but no he he actually he, he was as I he was engaged definitely to a woman ah, yeah, yeah. way in the beginning and actually he left like he all his stuff to that woman and he said that in like So I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but he said something like, it would have been yours anyway, or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, as if, like, she would have been his wife yeah, yeah, yeah. if he hadn't been okay. a homosexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah got yeah. it, yeah. So, um, yeah. No, but, yeah. uh, of course, a very uh, relatable yeah, 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 choice, yeah. I would yeah, say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my last choice is my most current uh, mm-hmm. idol. And it's actually a, a couple... Um, probably the least famous they're called Mimi and Alex Icon and they are two entrepreneurs coming originally from the Soviet Union um also coming from basically nothing mm-hmm. very poor backgrounds and they their families moved to Can- Canada uh, which is where they grew up since i don't know the age of eight or nine. And now they are very successful entrepreneurs. They they started their own company with, I mean, they started several companies um, in different fields. Mm-hmm. Some are beauty companies and some are connected to what is what I find most inspiring, which is this whole concept called Intelligent Change, the company called Intelligent Change. And, and what they're trying to do there is to basically create products that add value to your life in a way that they felt like they added value to their life. And um, their main life philosophy and concept is the concept of gratitude. This Mm -hmm. be grateful no matter what the circumstance. Mm -hmm. And they describe it in the way that, you know, when they had nothing, they would go on gratefulness walks, which is what they called it, together, go to the park, to some beautiful place and on these walks talk about what they are grateful for. And they were broke, they had nothing. So, you know, where other people say, oh my God, I have no money, I'm going to stress now. They went on gratefulness walks and were like, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And the whole philosophy is that from gratitude comes, uh, you know, many things can prosper and things come from that. And if you are not grateful for what you have, then nothing more can come. And um, this, you know, when you hear it for the first time, seems like a counterintuitive concept but I really really believe in it and it's also connected to this law of attraction for Mm -hmm. anyone that knows about it that's a bit more famous Um, and I really believe in it I know that I have managed to get to so many things with this mentality Mm -hmm. and they have created a product that is called the five minute journal Mm -hmm. um, which is something that I use every day or almost every day and it's basically a journal where in the morning you write down three things that you're grateful for very simple things like even if it's just your health or a good night's sleep or anything and then in, in the evening you write down three amazing things that happened today and basically it's there in order to get your mind into a positive mindset because at the end of the day we all always remember the bad things and these are the mm. ones that stick to us but the idea is to go to sleep with good things on your mind and to wake up with mm-hmm. good things on your mind and um, anyway there's a lot more to it but I don't want to get into it too much mm-hmm. um, but these two really have inspired me a lot and they also have a big social media mm-hmm. um, presence so I followed them everywhere and yeah. you get to see how they live their life and what they do, how they raise their child. They have a daughter also. And um, yeah, I would say they definitely have le- left a lasting impression and also influenced me in a way that, you know, I changed certain habits. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I totally, and I remember you telling me about them. You also gave me the five minute journal. Yeah. So no, and I and yeah, I find I find that very interesting. This whole like gratitude, gratitude concept, and I also do believe it works. It, yeah, it, and you know, it's it's the right approach that you don't because it kind of also gets you out of like a, a victimhood mentality because yeah. you say like you don't have anything, and instead of being like, oh my god, I don't have anything. I have such bad luck in life. You focus, no, but I do have this and this and this mm. that I can be grateful for. Yeah, I find that very. Very uh, enlightening. So I have two more. And I would say probably also my mo- more current and I would say I've, I've saved the biggest idol I have for last. But Who's uh, that? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> so um, the first one I would say that I got into probably about a year ago or a bit more than a year ago. Also, again, just through reading the autobiography and uh, like being consumed by it like for, for a while being like so fascinated fascinated by it and it's Mike Tyson and I would say I always was like also as a child intrigued by this like you know boxing and and martial arts I was always very intrigued by it but because like there was no connection to it in our family mm. ever like there was you know nothing no way with which I actually came into contact with it it was always you know very peripheral I never really actually got into it I remember like went to karate class once when I was younger and loved it but um you know it was always but I'd always had that you know intriguing uh, attitude towards martial arts in boxing. And obviously I knew who Mike Tyson was, like, kind of, I knew he was a boxer and that he was in the Hangover movies, but that was kind of <laughs> it. And um, a friend of mine, I remember, sent me, like, a clip of his in an interview where he was saying something and what struck me was he quite obviously did not have a particularly, I would say, rich vocabulary compared to like other, you know, orators or people that you that you usually credit for being wise mm-hmm. and intelligent are usually also very eloquent people in terms of vocabulary. And he didn't have that necessarily. But the things he said were so true and, ref- and like self-reflected and I dare say wise that like this kind of almost... Um, juxtaposition of these two things I was like wow that's so Mm. interesting so then I read his autobiography and I would say I've never been as moved by a person's story as his and I remember for the first time I felt like I would I would say almost like a, a bit not ashamed but uncomfortable for when I was talking about my childhood. I mean, like ah, oh, you know, I had a difficult childhood. You know, I had so many challenges and so many things. You mm-hmm. know that happened. And after I read his autobiography, I was like, no, I'm privileged beyond belief. You know, and like you know, and and, and that you know really shifted my perspective. Just you know, to the extent of what lack of privilege can look like. Yeah. Yeah, and um, what I find just the most inspiring inspiring thing about him is not just his path that I would say is a similar path maybe from many successful fighters, which is like the path from nothing to heavyweight mm. champion of the world that obviously just involves an you know an imaginable amount of discipline and resilience and kind of uh, voluntary adoption of literally being hurt again and again and again and again and again and kind of becoming better because of it. But his story after it, you know, that he obviously had an incredible array of bad habits and dysfunctional behaviors and uh, I would say flawed worldviews. And he managed just, you know, through being honest with himself to 
change in a way that I say I would say few people ever manage in their life to change to make such a one eight and such a one eighty shift and become so self aware that I believe that's where his wisdom comes from. You know, and another person I I really find another idol of mine, Carl Jung, um, you know, ha has this one quote that I really uh, value. And he says, beware of unearned wisdom, kind of saying, you know, what I also believe is kind of sometimes an issue of our generation that we have so much wisdom ready, readily available on the internet, you know, quotes and literature and stuff like that. But we don't really have the time to emotionally uh, catch up to that wisdom. Mm. So we kind of have lots of knowledge, but not a lot of wisdom. And I would say Mike Tyson is an example of a person who has everything he knows he's earned and therefore the things that he knows I mean he's you know he's like almost a sage in them so um yeah I I, I find him to be an incredibly inspiring person because of that you know um so yeah shout out to Mike Tyson <laughs> if he ever hears that <laughs> and the last person the last one drum roll drum roll I would say probably the person who has shaped my life the most in terms of also changing habits and things like that is um, a Canadian clinical psychologist. And I would say at this point, more of like a, a philosopher, um, Jordan Peterson, who has had, you know, a, a skyrock skyrocketed into the public uh, eye in the past, I would say about five years. And um, I'm sure that many of you are familiar with who he is and, Probably also the more controversial side of uh, his figure, which is unnecessary, I find. But um, the what, what inspired me so much about it is he managed to verbalize and explain things that I felt I always kind of knew to be true, but I couldn't find the right um, way to explain it, the right words to mm -hmm, explain it. Mm -hmm. Things that... And, and, and because he obviously, <laughs> has thought about them for his entire life, you know, like these, I mean, he's first and foremost a psychologist, you know, he's done a psychological research, he was a therapist for a very long time, he wrote books on psychology, you know, um, and, and, you know, kind of a self-help book type thing. Um, he obviously had had many years to formulate these opinions, but the way he approaches the worldview when it comes to, you know, how you engage with the world, what are the strategies to make your life happier, more fulfilled, kind of uh, the burden of life easier to carry. It's exactly the way that I always kind of wanted to live like and to formulate, but I never really had found the, like the, all this like kind of more intangible concepts to reduce it to like tangible, easily digestible perspectives. Mm. And um, again and again, when I listen to his material, either when it, if it is his lectures that, you know, he's put online from years ago when he was a professor in a, at the University of Toronto, or whether it is, you know, like um, debates where he's obviously, you know, having to defend his positions on some controversial topics, um, or whether it is just like his opinions on on certain you know matters of human psychology I always find myself coming away from it so much more aware of who I am of who I could be and kind of more enlightened more knowledgeable and always not with the focus of like you know a kind of trick cure like do this in your life is going to be better but like always re-establishing that you know I need to do the work 
I have the power, but that also means I have the responsibility to put in the work. And of course, the other thing I admire is just his incredible, you know, intellectual prowess, how quickly he can, you know, form formulate a truly complex point of view. And I think that, you know, in a time where he has been attacked so much and there's been put, uh, there's, you know, so much effort has been put into discredit his opinions, either by assess, like trying to uh, attack his character or kind of make him look foolish. For him to manage to always, you know, keep his wits about him mm. and make his points so clear and so, I would say, um, you know, uh, true to the true nuance of topics and at the same time never lose his composure. I find that just incredibly fascinating and I think a very, very important figure in the, like, I would say, um, media landscape of our time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you were definitely influenced by him a lot in the sense that you also, for example, gave me his book as a present yeah. and also yeah. many of your friends. Yes. And I think it was the you only really one I've ever... share, yes. you know, the, the knowledge that you found mm -hmm. valuable, and I mean, which is valuable, yeah. with every important person yeah. around you. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you so, haven't checked out, you know, any of his videos, it's really, I mean, I promise it will add so much value to your life and make you feel so much more empowered and like you have the tools to make the change that you want to make, whatever that change may be. Yeah, so this kind of concludes our list of idols. We had 11 idols in the end. Kiveri <laughs> snuck in a sixth one. Um, but um, yeah, uh, now let's get into the stories that yes. we're going to say about each other. Okay, um, you start. Okay, so um, I have kind of just a funny story. It's not really connected to an idol, but it's connected to a celebrity. So I okay. thought it could be mm -hmm. good for this episode. And... Um, Basically, last Christmas, was it? No, the Christmas before that, mm -hmm. um, I gave Kiveli as a Christmas gift um, two tickets for her and me to the Magic Mike show Loved it. in Berlin, which um, is a show based on the movie Magic Mike with mm -hmm. Channing Tatum. Mm -hmm. And since it was the premiere, um, Channing Tatum was also there. And... What I found so interesting is this whole, um, you know, situation that is being uh -huh, created uh -huh, when, uh -huh. not an idol, because I mean, he is in no way our idol, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. just when a celebrity is, you know, yeah. in, the pr in the midst of people, yeah. because what happened was he was not on stage doing the show, he just presented it and then was in the audience, and by chance he was actually very close yeah, to us, basically yeah. like a couple right of, next to yeah, us, yeah, like right next to us. And you, we, first of all, I caught us, you know, always like looking yeah. over and, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. although he wasn't at all doing anything, yeah. um, just kind of, you know, dancing around and instead of focusing on yeah. what's happening on stage. And then I remember this one instant where many people in the audience noticed that he was there. Uh -huh. And suddenly, I don't know if you remember, half the audience basically was like turning around and like, Parting ah, towards him, and, yeah, he, and said, he said, "Look at turn them. around, like look you know, at the show, look, look at yeah, the yeah, show, like yeah. don't look at me." And I just thought that was an yeah. interesting, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. thing to put in here. How, like, yeah. when you 
idolize someone or just, you know, think this is someone special for whichever reason, you sometimes, you know, fail to see what is happening right next to you because you're just so focused I remember, I remember, But um, it was a fun night, sister night out. It was a fun night, yeah, yeah. It was very nice. And my story is not that like that much of a singular story. It's just something I find so interesting about you because I think you, you love these movies about these like very, very intense, Mm-hmm. artistic personalities and That's I would say true. like whenever you watch a movie that you really find you know specifically interesting you I don't know idolize this artist for like yes. a phase like you know remember yeah. you watched the one about Johnny Cash yeah. there was one time you watched uh, this movie about Hector Laveau yes. you know there were I'm sure Cantante. others um, that I'm now uh, the one about ah uh, um, uh, not uh, what, what, what's what's you know the, the, the one that not Conte Partiro you know the, the of the one French guy and then his the song was taken by another and then it was made oh. famous by an English guy. Yeah, by Frank Sinatra. Exactly. But My which, Way was My Way. Yeah. And Yeah. So anyway, like, con yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, like these, these things. And I find it so interesting because mostly the type of artists that you admire and that you then are like, are so, you know, like inspired, uh, by. inspired yeah. by is like, exhibiting characteristics that usually you would, I would say, frown upon Mm -hmm. if you were to meet someone like that, you know, like, you know, infatuation with extremely extreme states of being, whether that is drugs or, you know, like a very unapologetic, uncompromising type Mm -hmm. of of living, and which is something that usually you would not necessarily like exactly for yourself or children or your friends and I think that that is another interesting thing that um many times what we what I think what we find to be incredibly inspiring and 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 uh I would say what we idolize are also things that we would never dare to live like ourselves but somehow like hold almost like human spiritual hopeful kind of truth to it like kind of someone living their identity and like living out their desires 100% no matter what and it's an interesting thing like you know to kind of um, distinguish between things that we tend to idolize and things that are kind of you know um, lifestyles that make us happy and that that are actually feasible in our life exactly yeah and what I have to actually um to think about one quote from Mike Tyson, one of like, again, one of the things that are just so spot on that I thought about a lot. And he says, you have to choose in life whether you want to be good or you want to be great. Mm-hmm. And that be- being great often excludes being good. Not necessarily, but yeah. it often excludes being good. And that he said that for the first half of his life, he was focused on being great. And afterwards, he understood the value of being good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is kind of a very nice way to kind of put it that many times we look up to people that are great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as an artist, especially, you know, for me, I'm so intrigued by this artist's life biographies yeah. um, that are, you know, often also like these epic movies. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Because, of course, there is something about this, as you put it, like great artist that is so inspiring, that is so special. And in, in the end, this is what art is, you know, putting your life in courage yeah it's everything you know it's courage it's just being in the extremes and yeah of course this to me is like wow you know this Mm. is what I want to convey too but of course I also want a happy life and this is the thing these lives are not 
happy lives. I think they're extremely they're happy and extremely sad. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They are, you know, they've they've seen it all. Mm-hmm. But if it's happy, I think that's a whole different story. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's very interesting. And we've also talked about this often, you know, what yeah. is what should we aspire to? Mm. Should we aspire to the extreme life or to mm-hmm. the... It's hard. It's hard. And maybe, can, is there a way to have both? Yeah. You know, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you're right. I, I really love these types yeah. of movies and books also. Yeah. Yeah. So this concludes our Idols episode. And um, the next episode, um, we are going to talk about kind of the pros and cons of being a woman, a female in the entertainment industry. Exactly. So stay tuned for that. of course, our experiences, whether we felt that it was more a pro or a con um, in our lives up to now. So stay tuned for that and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You're listening to The Sister Trill with Danai and Kiveli.